beast mode Everybody's striking a pose Everybody's taxing my soul They say it's all the rage To never act your age So what you gonna hit me with next? And Darwin or a crucifix Why you wanna do me like this? It's always so extreme But what's it really mean? And when you're begging for a break Just to throw it back and forth And you call each other sick Yeah, you're coming back for more And back for more of what you love Back for more of what you hate You can't stop, stop, stop Cause you're already too late So you kill your conscience And cry yourself to sleep And kill your conscience And better you than me Yeah, you're all plugged in You're ready and rehearsed Until you best, till you worst Show me where it Kill your conscience Kill your conscience Yeah, you're all fucking You're ready and rehearsed Do your best, do your worst Show me where it hurts Good luck Everybody's passing up They're praying that they're making the cut Yeah, they'll sell you by the you underground Cause while you're scratching at the gate Screaming, come on, let me in Like a fully loaded zombie Throwing caution to the wind Back for more of what you love Back for more of what you hate You can't stop, stop, stop Cause you're already too late So you kill your conscience And cry yourself to sleep And kill your conscience And better you than me Yeah, you're all plugged in You're ready and rehearsed do your best, do your worst, show me where it hurts Do your conscience Do your conscience Yeah, you're all fucking You're ready and rehearsed Do your best, do your worst, show me where it hurts Welcome to Waypoint. If you're here or at home, Luis has been quick to tell everybody, I'm going to confirm it, he did not pick that song, I did, right? And I love it 
because it goes exactly with where we're going today. We're just, we're going to get to it a little bit down the road. You're going to have to store that in the back of your mind for a little bit and recall it when the time comes. We started a series last week uh, where we were talking about an example of somebody, Judas, who walked with Jesus for, for years. He, he sat in a special place at the Passover meal where Jesus was communicating how much he loved and cared about him, and it went right over his head. He missed it. And what we said was that describes something where there was a disconnect between what he should have known in his head and what he believed and how he acted in his heart. There was a disconnect there. And so we thought over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some things that can happen in our lives that produce that same thing. You could be connected to a God who loves you, and you don't know it. And, and it's because there was a disconnect that happened between the stuff that you should know and realize and happen in your heart. And so that's where we're going over the next few weeks. I want to know, though, as we get started this morning, I want to know if you've ever had an argument with your phone. Now, generally, for me, it starts right after I hung up from a call or I sent a text or maybe it was a face-to-face -face interaction that I walked away from. And, um, and I thought, oh, that didn't go so well. I probably should make that right. This happens with my wife quite a bit. Um, in fact, we've discovered that all these alternative ways of having discussions aren't really helpful. Like, we'll sit down at the end of the day and we'll like, you sent that? And they're like, well, that's not what I meant. And then we kind of work it out and we're like, wow, I was upset about that all day. And I didn't get that you were not saying that. And so we've just kind of decided to not use those things very often to have our discussions. But sometimes you break the rule because you're a little worked up. So you type up the text and you dust it with a little jalapeno and zing. How do you like me now? Right? Have you ever done that? And it's shortly after that where the argument with the phone kicks in, right? You're looking at it and you're like, why should I call them to make it right? They started it. Well, if they take it that way, the way I intended, that's their problem. They didn't have to take it that way, right? Why should I have to call and eat crow? Like, they're just as much as responsible for me. And you have this back and forth thing because you, you think you should call and make a right, but you don't want to. Am I describing anything that you guys have ever experienced before? Anybody else? Or is it just me? Anybody else gone through this? One person. I don't believe the rest of you. Right? This is what happens. We have this discussion that takes place inside ourselves this nudge this sense that of conviction that maybe i just did something wrong or this feeling that this is off i shouldn't accept this is a gift from god into your life and paul actually writes and describes it he doesn't give a name to it in first corinthians chapter 2 but he describes it in a way that's really helpful so that's where I want to start this morning. I want to start with a process that he describes. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, he says this, for, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? I, 
I think we should just pause for a moment and marvel at the wisdom of this little idea on the screen and maybe potentially integrate it into our culture because that is not the way our, our culture currently operates. We have the amazing ability to know what other people are thinking and meaning. You don't actually have to have a conversation with them to find out what they actually meant by that. You just know. And you can, you can assume and then respond to it. Our social media sphere is full of people who are masters of this. They know exactly what you mean when you posted it, and they can respond with as much venom because I'm going to deal with you because I know what you meant. The, the person who wrote that sometimes doesn't even know what they meant by it. Their spirit has to kind of inform them, what motivated you to do that? And so we miss out on actual conversations where we hear what people are really thinking, why they chose to say it that way. And it's a loss to all of us. But this gets more important than that, than that because the verse continues. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Ooh, now we're talking about something I'd like to know. I would like to know what God thinks. I would like to have that kind of wisdom, that kind of guidance. And what's weird is that sometimes many of the decisions that we make in our life aren't informed by what God actually thinks. What they're informed by is how we feel in the moment or how we think God feels, but we've never asked him. We've never sought that kind of guidance because God does have some thoughts. And for one place you can find them is in the scriptures. It's very clear. He'll tell you exactly what he's thinking and why he's thinking that. But the thing is, there's, there's a lot of gray. I cannot... I cannot tell you to go read a section of scripture where at the end of it, you'll know which college to pick. I can't give you a text where I could say, go and read this, and at the end of this, you'll know if you should take the job that you're being offered or stay in the one that you're in. I, I, it's not there. But here's what I do think. I think sometimes God does have opinions about that stuff. And he'd actually like to communicate it with you. Sometimes he doesn't. He would just want you to have the freedom. Go make the decision that you want to make. It's okay. It's not, it's not a big deal either way. Just I'm giving this to you as a gift. With the freedom that you have, go exercise it. But you get that kind of communication. And that's what's kind of expressed here. In verse 12, the one right after where he says, Hey, you can't know the thoughts of God except through the Spirit of God. He says this. We... Um, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. God is offering you the spirit because he actually wants you to know what he thinks. It's not hidden. He's not trying to keep you in the dark. He wants you to be informed about this kind of stuff. Now, now listen, this is hard to digest, and so... Uh, verse 14 says this. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. God's telling you what to do. Dumbest thing I've ever heard. And they won't understand why the verse goes on to say, that's because 
they cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. You have to have a connection with the Spirit of God who understands the thoughts of God. And because you have that sensitivity towards that Spirit, you can get some understanding, some wisdom, some guidance that other people just don't get. That it doesn't even dawn on their minds that that would even be possible. And it can direct your life. I'm convinced of it. There are actually examples of this kind of communication in the scriptures. In Acts, we see that Peter has a vision. He's trying to figure it out. He doesn't know what it means, but he's trying to remain sensitive to the Spirit of God. And this is what happens in Acts chapter nine or Acts chapter ten, verse nineteen. While Peter was still thinking about this vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon. Three men are looking for you. And in verse 20, he says, so get up, go downstairs, don't hesitate and go with them. I have sent them. You're trying to figure out what's going on, and I'm going to supply an experience that gives you an understanding of what this vision is all about. Because you're sensitive to me, I'm going to speak to you, and it's going to cause you to go and do something that will actually reinforce what's happening in your life. That's what... That's what God's spirit wants to do for you and I. Wants to find a way to interject stuff into our lives. We see it in um, 8, 29. This is with Philip. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. He just asked him to go to a certain spot and hang out. Philip is going to end up sharing the gospel of Jesus with somebody because he listened. There was a sensitivity to the Spirit's leading, and when the voice came to him, they went and carried it out. Now, it's at this point where some of you are thinking, Blair, you're starting to sound a little crazy, because from what I can tell, people who hear the voice of God in our culture get locked up in institutions and are heavily medicated, right? Different voices. Those are different voices. The the reason people end up in those institutions is because they're hearing things about harming people or themselves. That is not... The voice from God that you would hear would never contradict anything that you would read and hear. And so we're talking about two different things. Uh, What I'm talking about is a process where God's spirit communicates with your spirit. And the word we're going to use to describe that is your conscience. Where you have this little voice that goes off when you take a wrong step that says, maybe you shouldn't do that. Uh, Where it kind of, it's the voice that you argue with when you pull out that phone. You're not actually arguing with your phone. You're actually arguing with your conscience that's going on inside you, trying to call your attention to something that's off, something that's wrong. This voice can be really persistent. It can, come, it, can, it can come back over and over and over again on the same subject. How many of you have experienced that? Where you were making a choice and your conscience spoke up and you said, you don't know what you're talking about, you don't understand my circumstances, please leave me alone, and you push it aside. And then later, it's back. It's back bringing it up. Over and over and over again. Now, here's the thing. Here's the problem with this. This gift that God gives you 
of this spirit-on-spirit communication where he will interrupt your life, where he will stop you short, you can actually silence that voice. You can just put it away from you, push it away to the point where you kill your conscience. Did you, did you hear, see some of the lyrics in that song? You, you come back to do the same thing over and over again. You do the things you love, you do the things you hate. It points out where you're causing some hurt and you don't want to hear any of it so you kill your conscience. You deaden it. And the hope that you had, any hope of getting any kind of guidance or direction or wisdom from God goes to sleep with that voice. I remember reading an article a couple years ago. It fascinated me. It was, a, it was an interviewer who was talking to some people who were going to spend the rest of their life in jail. The crimes that they had committed had earned them a life sentence. And they were talking to these prisoners, and they said, listen, when we, when we did our crimes, we actually knew they were wrong, and we knew that we might have to pay someday some sort of penalty, but we know that there's right and wrong, and so we have a code inside the prison that we have lived by. But what they were detailing is they were starting to see a bunch of younger criminals coming into the system who didn't have any sense of anything being right and wrong. They saw no difference between coming up to you and asking if you would give them food off your tray at lunchtime or simply killing you and taking it. No difference. And they were expressing a level of fear that they had never been in a sense of community before where there was no boundaries or any moral rules. What they were describing was a group of people who had killed their conscience. There was nothing there to stop anybody from making a decision because they had silenced that voice that came along and said, that's, that's wrong, don't do that. Hey, you got to make this right. Hey, stop that. Now, here's, here's the bad news. This silencing of the conscience doesn't just happen in a prison. It can happen in a corporate office. It can happen at school. It can happen um, at home. It can happen wherever you go where you've decided that I'm going to refuse to listen to this wisdom that God's trying to give into my life and I'm going to just shut it down. I'm going to turn it off. You want to know how big of a deal this is? Paul actually um, writes to his, somebody he's mentoring. There's a young pastor um, named Timothy. And Paul actually writes to him and says, man, this idea of your conscience is important. And he writes this, 1 Timothy 1, 19. Holding on to faith and a good conscience. Timothy, God has given you something incredible in your conscience. If you have one that's clear, if you have one that's good, hold on to that thing. Why? He goes on to say this, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. See, this happens in churches too. Have you ever wondered 
how so many pastors find themselves shipwrecked and destroying their ministries. You want to know how? At some point along the path, they killed their conscience. They stopped listening to the Spirit of God saying, don't do that, don't say that, don't, don't go down that road, I want you to make it right, and they said, be quiet. Shush. I'm done with you. It's over. He goes on, because he's given Timothy even more insight into this. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, he says, Such teaching come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. He just used a really incredible picture there of taking something and searing with a hot iron. I actually think he intends two different pictures that I think we could learn from. One, I don't know if you've ever been near a campfire or maybe a stove or a curling iron or something, something really hot, and you touched your skin, and it burned you so bad it left a scar. Have you noticed that that scar place, that there's not as much sensitivity because the nerve endings underneath got damaged and killed? That's exactly what can happen with your conscience. You ignore it, ignore it, ignore it long enough, it will be like it is never there. I have a phone that sits on the side of my bed every night when I go to sleep, and I have to leave it on because if there's an emergency that comes in, I've got to be able to respond to that. I want to be able to go and talk with people in the moment if they need that sort of thing. But my phone has so many things that it alerts me to that for a while there, it was driving me nuts. Every time it would go off, I would pick it up and look at it. And I was losing a lot of sleep. And then I finally realized I'm training myself to do this. So I decided that I would only pick up and look at the phone if it was a phone call or my alarm. And for the first few months, every noise that went off, it still woke me up. But I wouldn't move. I'm not touching you. I'm not going to have anything to do with that. I'm not going to look. And what I discovered was after a few months of this, I would wake up in the morning and my phone was full of all kinds of messages and alerts and I hadn't heard a single one of them. You know why? Because I killed my sensitivity to it. I didn't hear it anymore. Still don't. I can sleep right through it. You know what? This is exactly what happens with the Spirit of God in our lives. He finds a way to communicate with us, but you ignore it. You say, I'm not going to do what you say. I don't, I'm not going to go eat crow. I'm not going to humble myself in that way. I'm not going to go make it right. You be quiet. You say, be quiet enough times, and it's silent to you because you've deadened it. So that's one of the pictures, but I think there's another one too because in ancient times, they used branding to actually punish criminals. So they would, they would put a brand in a really public spot. So if you went to another community and you walked in, they'd look at you and go, guy's a thief, we're going to have to watch this one because it's right out in the open. We know what's going on with this person. It's clear. And, and I think part of what's being illustrated here is after a while, after a while of you just putting the silence to the Holy Spirit of God in your life, shh, 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 you will start bearing the marks of that in your life. 
the mistakes and messes that you could have avoided if you had simply listened start to stack up and it starts to get ugly. Actually, one of them was mentioned in the text here. I don't know if you saw that. But he said, it comes through hypocritical liars. One of the, one of the things that will happen, which is why I see this happening in these church leaders' lives, is they develop a life of hypocrisy simply because they've shut off the Spirit of God. And eventually, they say one thing and they do another. And it doesn't connect in their minds that it's that far off because that wisdom that they could have had that would have helped them figure that out has been silenced. And you start carrying levels of hypocrisy in your life that you think are normal and okay. Now there's some other signs too. I just want to uh, make note of a few. If you've killed off your conscience, if you've been in the process of silencing it for a period of time, there's a few things that you're going to notice. You're going to notice some things in your life from having ignored God. You're going to start piling up scars. But you're also going to um, recognize these three things. One, the idea of having a little voice talk to you is a mystery. You're going to wonder, what in the world is he talking about? I have no idea. I've not experienced that, or I haven't experienced it in a long time. If, if that's going on, I'm telling you right now, we all have this gift from God unless you've burned it out, unless you've ignored it. And the sign is that you've ignored it is it's not there anymore. You don't hear it. The thing is, it's there. You're just not sensitive to it. So one, you're not hearing the little voice. Two, when you do something that's clearly wrong, you send off that text with a little bit of jalapeno on it, and you know that it was intended to cut a little bit, and what happens in your mind isn't that you're confronted with, I should change this, but your mind tells you all the things that you just did that were right. You did good. You have reprogrammed the stuff that's going on in your heart to reinforce actions and attitudes that aren't honoring to God. That gives you some sort of clue that your conscience is not at play because it would not let that stuff stand. So if you're, if you're cheering yourself on in the middle of bad behavior, your conscience is not part of that deal. Three, if the truth were told, you're not even really interested in what God thinks in the first place. I mean, truthfully, why would you go listening for it, looking for it, wanting to create a conscience that hears that stuff if you're not interested in his wisdom in the first place? And so if you're like, yeah, who cares? There's a chance that the wisdom that could have flowed to your life has just been shut off and shut down. Now, if that's, if that's the case, if, if over time you have dulled this thing that God's given you, maybe you've gone so far as to kill it and you're not experiencing any kind of internal arguments or conflicts over the decisions or choices that you're making because truthfully, you haven't asked God. You've just assumed that you know what he would want you to do. There are some things that you can do that reinvigorates that conscience. You're not going to like it. Number one, there's most likely a place in your life, a point in your life, where you got into a big argument with the Holy Spirit about something that you needed to make right and you didn't want to, and you're going to have to go back 
and start there and make that thing right. It's going to stink. It's going to be difficult. Because for whatever reason, if it was embarrassing or humiliating or whatever it was, you chose not to, you dug in and chose not to go back and make things right at that time. And unless you go back and deal with the thing that started this, you're probably not going to get very far. So that's number one. You're going to have to go make things right. Number two, we just got done with a prayer series. You're going to have to keep developing an attitude and an experience of prayer in your life because you want to up the sensitivity to that voice that's speaking. You want to hear from that. Because here's what's going to happen. Over time, your conscience just isn't simply about what's right and wrong. God will start to use that voice in other ways in your life. It's what happened when I read to you about Peter and Philip. They were said, hey, I want you to go and do this. Had they done anything wrong? But the voice, the Spirit of God was speaking to them. He will use the voice of your conscience to give you clarity at times in your life about things that are really important to you, but you, you're going to have to develop a sensitivity and that's why praying becomes so important. You're interested in what he has to say. You want to know what's going on. And so you open yourself up to that conversation. And then the last one. Decide that you're going to hold a clear conscience. Like if you went to your conscience right now, would there be something there that God's saying, I really want you to deal with this. And you haven't for a while. You've, you've refused on this. If you would make a choice that as God rolls things into my life, I'll deal with it. I'll go and make it right. I'll, I'll ask what he's talking about. I'll get some more insight from him. And then I'll, I'm going to deal with this. And from there, I'll be able to clear up my conscience so that God can continue to give me wisdom. Now, um, over this last prayer series, I was, I was doing a examine and confess prayer and God brought something to my mind that was really old like this something happened a long time ago and he said Blair I want you to make this right and I said that is so long ago how is digging that up going to help anybody I I confess to you that I was wrong I know it was a bad choice on my part what I did wasn't right but why would you have me go back and do this? And for the last two months, I've been fighting with God on this. And I rolled into this week. And I sat there and read that I was going to have to talk with you about becoming a hypocrite if you choose to push off the voice of God. And I realized that's where I was headed. So I made the phone call. Here's what I can tell you. It's awful. It's terrible. But I would rather have that because what I want in my life is I want to hear from God. I want to make decisions that are wise. I want to be directed and guided by something that's bigger than me and my wants and my needs. And if I'm going to get to that at all, then I've got to find a way to clear my conscience before God so that he can communicate with me in ways that direct my life. I think the same is true about you. See, if you're not careful, 
there will be a disconnect between what you know to do because your conscience tells you and your heart that actually believes and does it because you shut your conscience down. And so let me just ask you a simple question this morning. Is your conscience clear? Is there anything between you and God right now that needs to be dealt with? Why won't you? What's preventing you from dealing with that? Because if you're not careful, you could lose the very gift that God has given to your life where he wants to freely give you wisdom and guidance. Let's pray with each other. God, I'm so grateful that um, your spirit has been given as a gift. You have this desire to communicate with us, to help us see and understand and know what's going on in your heart. And the Holy Spirit comes and is involved. And we've all had this experience where we've wrestled. We've wrestled with whether we should do this thing and make it right or not. God, that's a gift. And I just ask that we would have the courage to look at our lives and to, and to just be honest. Is there anything I need to clear up so that my conscience remains clear before you and that I hold to that knowing that I'm keeping open a source of communication from God the Father to my heart through the Holy Spirit God, I ask that we would be people who would crave that. And it doesn't matter how difficult, how embarrassing, how much crow we have to eat, that we would do what we need to do to honor you. God, may our love for you propel us to have consciences that are clear, open, and ready to hear wisdom and guidance. God, I ask that you would deal with any disconnects between hearts and minds right now that are going on because our conscience has been quieted, silenced, pushed down. Wake it. Bring it to the forefront. Let it be loud so that we'll hear it. Give us the courage to act. In Jesus' name, amen.